Agile Weekly Podcast. My name is Roy Van Water. I'm Clayton Langelzigich. I'm Drew Lesweer. And today we'll be talking about the traditional scrum roles and how you know that you have uh, gone out of the bounds of them. So Clayton, you kind of brought this topic to our attention. What kind of drove you to, to, to do that? Um, so I guess just to clarify, the I think the three roles we're talking about are the scrum master, the product owner, and kind of the developers or the development team. Well, I can't remember what the new scrum guide calls them. And then like those people comprise the overall scrum team. Um, so I was kind of wondering, you know, if you go by the book scrum, there's a lot of things that like a scrum master should do. But I think one thing I've kind of noticed is no one really talks a whole lot about maybe things they shouldn't do. Um, and same thing with like the product owner. So, you know, I had a product owner ask me the other day, what uh, what they could do to help the team with a broken build. So that seemed kind of odd, you know, like from a standpoint of technical excellence or something, maybe you could say that the team is having some XP practice where they're using continuous integration and their build's broken. Um, and I think like in a perfect world, they would care about that and they'd want to get it fixed. But for some reason, the build was broken and it was causing the problem and the product owner was, that was impacting uh, the product owner in some way, and so they wanted to know like what they should do to change that. So, so does that says so the question then is the uh, state of the build underneath the product owner's authority? Like, can the product owner dictate the build must pass and make that a requirement? Yeah, and so that was kind of the thing of like, hey, you know, how much how much say should the product owner have in how the team organizes its technical practices? Um, I think in this case, the fact that the build was broken was causing uh, an issue with being able to deploy something. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why the product owner was concerned about it. And so until the until the build was fixed, you couldn't deploy. And if you couldn't deploy, then the product owner couldn't show progress or whatever the case was. That sounds pretty fair for that to then fall underneath their responsibility all of a sudden because it's there. It seems to be like the product owner's role is to drive value. And if something like the build coincidentally happened, I don't know about coincidentally, but like blocks the delivery of value, like that seems like a very real problem that the product owner should absolutely be able to talk about. Yeah, other than maybe just talking about it, though, is there anything that the product owner could really do? Like they're not going to get in and like fix the code, well, right? That's, that's true. Like I think that would definitely be over. A product owner would definitely be overstepping his or her bounds if they started doing something like that. I think. So like beyond just going and telling the team, I think the the strategy at the time was like, hey, the build's broken, so I can't deploy this thing that I need to deploy. So is it okay? I think the question was really asking me, is it okay if I go basically yell at them or like tell them that they need to get this fixed as soon as possible? You know, I would say that's totally okay. Yeah, I think so too. Like, hey, I need to be able to deploy this whenever I want. You know, it should be able to be deployed at any time. So the build's got to be passing. Right. And if and I think, I think that probably should already be part of their negotiated definition of done. Right. Like, a feature should be deployable, and if their features aren't deployable, that means that pretty much none of their sprint work can be done because they can't deliver any value. Do you think that your opinion would change if you took out of the equation the fact that the de- the deployment and the builds were linked? If the product owner was just mad because the builds were broken, you know, like this is middle of the sprint basically, right? And so middle of the sprint, the builds are broken. Should the product owner really care about that? Or is that like, that's the technical realm of the team and, you know, they have their own problems so they can go fix it. 
So then I think it all of a sudden changes. I think that's a huge difference. And that now all of a sudden, the development team should be passionate about it and should really care that the that the build doesn't work. But now all of a sudden, it's no longer blocking the product owner directly. And if the development team insists on, you know, um, deploying code that isn't tested or with a with a failing build, if that's not part of the negotiated definition of done, I would say that it's not really the product owner's authority to, to dictate that. I think the product owner may want to renegotiate their definition of done, but unless that's the case, they can't. I don't really think that it's their place to say anything. Also, like this issue, maybe why the question is why is it coming up? Like, are they um, building, you know, their master branch as like a check to see if it works, or should there be another system in place to where they can build it off, you know, off their computer somewhere else, and then push it to master if it all passes. Like sometimes I, I, I say that because I some, sometimes we'll let our build system run our build just because we don't want to run it all locally and we can just kind of kick it off and not think about it until it comes back. And um, it's just kind of an extra check. So if it fails, no big deal. We'll get it to pass. But so, so I think one big distinction that not everybody uses is that I think when we're all talking about the build, we, we include all of the test passing in the build. Is right. that what is that what you're talking about as well, Clayton? Uh, yeah, I think in this case it's a situation where if you take the entire test suite, there's a series of builds that are kind of all broken out, and so in order to say that all the tests are passing and all the codes compiling together, say these these dozen builds all have to be green, and if two of them are red, then you get. A, I think that's where the situation comes up. Hey, these two things are red. That means we can't progress because they're like. In order to deploy, you have to go through steps one through twelve, and we can't get through steps six and seven. So that means we can't deploy. So yeah, I, def- I definitely think that. Okay, so in a build environment in which you have to compile something, it's a little bit different, right? Because like when sure. we're like a lot of my experience has been with Rails apps or like a Python app or something like that, where it's where it's scripted and there's no compilation and linking and all of that type of stuff. But as soon as you have to start doing that, I, I'd almost say that it's a good idea to decouple running your tests and a building everything and to separate those two ideas. But as a practice, if you're on a team, like I would say ideally a team shouldn't allow themselves to deploy something that isn't passing, right? Like they should have the, um, I don't know, like the, the self-respect to say like we care about quality and we built these tests for a reason, so we're not going to deploy this until we know that everything is passing. And if that means that maybe they're old tests and we got to delete them or whatever, like everything has to be green before it goes live. And I think that's a good quality for a team to have. So to kind of jump to another scrum roll, um, <clears throat> like what are some ways that you guys might think of where, like a, what are some examples or some different maybe indicators that a scrum master might be stepping out of their role, like doing too much? When a scrum master starts dictating tasks to the team or assigning stories or tasks to individual people rather than the team. How about you, Drew? I don't know. I, I, have, I haven't been on a team where there's like an official scrum master set to me, and so I ha- it's hard for me to answer that question. Like, it's rare that I've been on a team where there was a scrum master. Um, like in terms of, you know, the scrum master sometimes acts as kind of the like liaison or like in between to some degree between maybe like the, the, 
the product owner and the development team or outside stakeholders or third party people or whatever, uh, like, is there a, ch- a chance that maybe the scrum master would get too involved with one side of that equation? Like, you know, they're supposed to be kind of the impartial middleman to some degree. Sure. But maybe they get too involved in the technical details or they get too involved in the product stuff. I, I could see them like going, talking to the stakeholders, which is, you know, part of their part of their roles to protect the development team from interruptions from the stakeholders. And I could see them talking to the stakeholders and perhaps promising features or something that the team is not able to deliver or things that the product owner doesn't consider a priority. I, I, and I would definitely consider that overstepping their bounds. It's like, it's like a scrum ass has the authority to say no, but they don't have the authority to say yes, maybe, hmm. if, if people are trying to interrupt. Yeah, one thing I think that you hear a lot is that people, like one a criticism of scrum is that the roles are like very narrowly defined and it's not like a good practice or it's not... You know, I think some people would even go as far as to say it's like it's immoral to try and like box people into a certain role and say like, well, you're only allowed to do this and you're only allowed to do that. Um, I, don't, I don't know how you guys feel about I, that. I can see that. Like one one thing that I sometimes see is people treating the product owner as like like the um, we don't, we don't do anything unless the product owner says it. We're not going to come up with any good ideas on our own, and I think that's kind of troublesome. I think that the whole team as a team can come up with good ideas and not just implementation ideas on how to implement what the product owner says, but even good ideas for the product. Like I don't think it's outside of the develop of the developer's realm to pursue good ideas well, as part of the team. Well, I think that it's definitely within their realm to come up with good ideas and suggest them, but I absolutely think it's outside their realm to pursue them without checking with the product owner. Sure. Because the product owner ultimately figures out where the priorities lie. And I think we've all been on teams where somebody wanted to work on some feature X that probably wasn't very important, but they went ahead and inserted a backlog, made it the top priority, and started working on it, right? Right. Like, we've all been part of bad Scrum implementations where that's happened, and I think that's a huge smell. It should, there's a, I think there's a good reason why there's a single person who determines all of the priorities, and that if you are going to pursue something, that it should go through the product owner first. But that said, I totally agree that if, if developers should be free to come up with their own ideas and and contribute them not just free but encouraged to yeah so what about developers overstepping their bounds like what's a good example of that um i think you guys kind of hinted at it with like the the like product like backlog stuff you know um i think one thing you see a lot is when the like expectation maybe of the team or like the visibility of the team's progress is kind of low or non-existent uh, I've seen a lot of developers that will take on some like pet peeve, like like technical debt's a perfect example, like something in the system that they don't like and they want to make it better. And so they will like, maybe they'll get a story done, uh, like some task done early or something, or they'll come to a conclusion of like, oh, I'm blocked on this task and I can't work on it until I hear from XYZ person. So in the meantime, rather than go and like help someone else with something else in the sprint to further along the progress of the mm-hmm. sprint, they go off and like go and do some little pet peeve thing. You know, I'm going to go rewrite this part of the test suite or I'm going to go experiment with, you know, replacing this library that we have now that we know works with this new one that I think personally is, is better. Um, so I think that's one example of a, a team kind of... What? getting outside their bound of just kind of doing whatever they want without it's like not part of the overall scrum team like not the same goal what about refusing to implement a feature or something like that because I, I think I've, i felt that a few times where i thought a feature was just the dumbest idea 
and I felt like like we got to come up with a better solution. Like, is it a developer's? Is it within the developer's authority to say like, no, I'm not going to do that because that's that's stupid. I think that's kind of like a two way street because I think there's sometimes where developers will will negotiate like a, a I don't say worse implementation, but they'll negotiate a less than ideal or like maybe a more simplistic solution. And I think the rationale that they would use is like, hey, don't worry about it, product owner, because we'll just do this and then we'll ship it and we'll get feedback. So it's okay. And I feel like the same thing's probably true the other way. Like maybe you think it's a really dumb feature, but I think the product owner could say, like, why don't you guys just do it and we'll ship it. And if it's really that dumb, then we'll find out about it and we can fix it. So with the first one that you were talking about where they're like, hey, let's do it the simple way, ship it and get feedback. the, The way you said it, kind of put a negative connotation on it. Well, I've always viewed that as a positive thing. Where like, I'm hey. saying, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're like a product owner. I think a lot of times a product owner, uh, unless they're especially savvy or nuanced, they hear that as we don't really want to do the hard, like the big hard thing, but if right. you let us do the easier thing and then get feedback, I think some product owners will just kind of relent about, okay, fine. Like I can buy that. Right. You know, so I, I think it goes both I've ways. I've totally worked on, uh, on teams before where the product owner thought that I was, and specifically confronted me about it too, and thought I was being like, hey, you're just trying to avoid the hard work. Where I, I felt, and I don't know if I was trying to avoid the work, hard work subconsciously, but I felt like, hey, let's spend you know a very small fraction of the total time to implement this feature to implement the core value you're trying to get, and then we can build off of that and see if we need all the bells and whistles on top of it. But you know, it was perceived as like a, like I was being lazy and trying to avoid the difficult work. Yeah, I think that's totally within the developer's realm to negotiate. Hey, you know, yeah, this is an awesome idea. How about by th- by this sprint, we only get this much done, you know, because that's all I can get done or whatever. And let's work on this part of it first because that's the most valuable part. Maybe that's a good way to frame it as developers. Like, hey, why don't we do why don't we do it this easy way first, and we'll get feedback, and that means that we can also pull in these additional stories. So now it's not like I want to do this so I get less work. It's like if we do this, look how much more free time that opens up for you to get more stuff done that right. you want, right? And then it, everybody benefits because you do the easier implementation, get feedback earlier, and you potentially could deliver more value in that time period. Mm-hmm. I think more often than not, the I don't really think teams like try and jump too far into the other roles. Um, I don't think like there's anybody on the team that's trying to be the scrum master or trying to be, you know, make a product decision like necessarily. So um, I think done, they probably don't do enough of that. We've some we've sometimes done that internally, like where we take turns being the uh, the scrum master during a retrospective or something. And I think it's good practice for us to do that. Yeah, I think I mean I'm, good I'm, practice as in it is we're getting good practice out of it, not that it is a good practice, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, and I think there's a, probably a lot of um, scrum teams out there where like facilitation is such a difficult thing and running a retrospective is so much harder than people think the scrum master probably isn't even very good at it, let alone just like some random developer on the team. You know, they don't have all the the skills required to like effectively do that. Makes sense. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. If you'd like to continue the conversation, you can find us at facebook.com slash agile weekly. Goodbye. Thanks. Thanks. Is there something you'd like to hear in a future episode? Head over to integramtech.com slash podcast where you can suggest a topic or a guest. Looking for an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news, techniques, and events in the Agile community? Sign up today at agileweekly.com. It's the best Agile content delivered weekly for free. The Agile Weekly podcast is brought to you by Integram Technologies and recorded at Gangplank Studios in Chandler, Arizona.
For old episodes, check out integrumtech.com or subscribe on iTunes. Need help with your agile transition? Have a question and need to phone a friend? Try calling the Agile Hotline. It's free. Call 866-244-8656.